Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Powatik. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, powered by First National. I am Adam Powatik, sitting here with Aaron Cameron, live at the Southwest Ontario Real Estate Forum, year one. We're in Kitchener right now. This is a new conference for the forum, a new one for us to visit. We have touched on this region in the past, but we're going to spend, I guess, a couple episodes hyper-focused on this area. So if you've ever wanted to invest a dollar out here, these will be the episodes for you. We've got a gentleman here today, Ted Davis, Managing Director, Avis & Young. He's been in this market for a very long time, knows it inside and out. So we're going to do a, a kind of deep dive on some of the investment trends that he's seen in just the last five years of his career, although his career does span a longer time frame than that. Welcome. Ted. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, this will be good because we're going to really kind of look at the fundamentals of the entire region. As hard as that may be, this is not going to be a three-hour podcast. We'll try to keep it as tight as we can. Ted, we always like to start with people's backgrounds. You've got an interesting one. So why don't you just kind of tell us how you got into real estate to begin with? Sure. Yeah. No, I started out in real estate. I started with Royal Page Commercial. So before they were Cushman and Wakefield and in the Toronto West office. But a lot of my business is what I did is I took users who were in the Toronto marketplace and brought them out into Southwest Ontario. So that was my exposure after going to school in Waterloo is understanding the area and kind of bringing them into Southwest Ontario. So that was about 19 years ago now. So to your point, Adam, being in this business and being in this industry for a while now. After that, I did that for about six years. I started up my own brokerage at that time in Waterloo region doing an affiliate agreement with Avis and Young. And I ran that brokerage for 10 years with offices in opening up in London, as well had an office in Hamilton for a while and continued to grow that over that period of time. At the end of about 10 years, I ended up selling that brokerage back into Avis and Young, at which time I kind of stopped selling real estate and just went on only the management side, went back into the GTA marketplace. And so now I oversee AY's operations kind of west of downtown Toronto, right out to the Niagara and the Windsor border. 19 years ago, convincing Toronto dollars to come invest out here. A little easier today, I imagine. A lot easier. It's funny. So what we, was the pitch like back so then? So here is the interesting thing. So I'll give you an example. We had done a deal with a company that wanted to develop about 100 acres of land out in Southern Ontario. It was in Guelph specifically. So I needed to try to attract tenants and attract investors into the marketplace. So what we ended up doing is we ended up chartering helicopters and we did this open house. So we had people come out to Guelph, put them in helicopters, flew them up, just so we could show them how close Milton and Mississauga actually was. Because anybody who heard anything west of the escarpment, getting into Guelph, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, Hamilton, Brantford, it was like it was another country. So really getting people's minds away from the assumptions of the geographic area, which now in retrospect, when you turn around and say, well, it's only two ramps down the highway, it's interesting how that mentality has changed so much. I love hearing stories like that about a big bold step to, to try and make it work. So yeah. good for you. Yeah. Back then they took some creative sales tactics, let's just say, but trying to get someone into a car to say that, let's get out to Guelph, let's get out to Kitchener, to Cambridge, to Waterloo. And usually what drove it was, it was price, right? Like that was the, if your option was a delta of let's say two or $3 per square foot. And at that time, if it's industrial, we only had rents of six or $7 in the GTA to get down into 350 or 450 per square foot. It was worth the drive out there. 
But there was a lot of concerns back then, concerns around employees and access to capital for shipping and what those costs ended up being. What did you see that others didn't then? It was just no one else was doing it or? I would say part of it was just because I was from the area. So I understood the dynamics of it. I understood the growth. I mean, if you compared it to the GTA, it had all the infrastructure that the GTA had. And the GTA, where it was difficult was, is that we continued to see dropping down vacancies. And so if there's less product available in the GTA, inevitably you either need to migrate, which in this case was migrating west, or you had to start redeveloping. The price of real estate didn't justify redevelopment. So therefore you had to look at migration. And so that was really what ended up driving it. And I knew inevitably that there was a strong enough marketplace that if it only stayed as an internal economy and you did deals with local people and local buildings, it could justify itself. But that wave coming down the highway, it just made sense to me. What was the tipping point then? I think probably, again, pricing that was driven by vacancy. So as vacancy for industrial continued to drop, prices, especially industrial over the last few years, continue to go up. And so for people, especially those who wanted to do design builds of properties, so they either wanted to do a new three or 400,000 square foot office building, or they needed to do a new distribution center. To find a 20 acre property in Brampton or Mississauga or even Milton was very difficult to do. But if I had two or three or 400 acres fully serviced on the 401, sitting in Guelph or sitting in North Cambridge, Well, then that's what drove me to that area. Now, the interesting thing is though, when we have a lot of users and manufacturers who come to us and say, we need to find a location, their parameters geographically are that much larger. When I started, it was, I want to look at Brampton and Mississauga. And now it's, I want to look at Brampton, Mississauga, Milton, Guelph, and Cambridge, or however larger that they ended up going. And that's just natural expansion of urban growth. It is. So if you look at, there's a presentation that we do that is based on, it's almost like a radial map. And it shows kind of the boom and bust of kind of bull markets and then bear markets. And how Ontario in general, and if you take GTA or Toronto as the core, how it's grown over the last 50 years. So in other words, you kind of grow out, you're Etobicoke, and then you touch on Mississauga, then you hit a bear market and it kind of comes back a little bit. And then you grow out and prior to 08, it was kind of touching on Guelph, Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, but Milton got fully built out. Now this time around with a bull run, we've kind of, we're touching on Woodstock and inevitably with a bear run, we're going to have a little bit of contraction there. But Kitchener, Waterloo, Hamilton has become a core development area that investors, users, land developers are looking at this area as a core piece of their investment. Can you still find those large tracts of land here or no? You still can. Timing is a little bit more difficult. So in other words, the tracts of land are there. The timing to bring it on stream is sometimes a little bit more difficult. So with developers, having land in their inventory is very important. And so to be able to put their hands on 50, 60, 70, 100 acres, whether it's three-year, five-year, seven-year land, it does give now the opportunity that they can find if that user comes along and says, I need to put up a million square feet, they're almost forced to go into Southwestern Ontario because that's where a lot of the land is. The cities are all continuing to grow. They're continuing to bring in more sites, expand out their services because of that continued demand. Again, if we end up seeing a bit of a contraction in the marketplace, that may have a slight effect or it might take a little bit longer for that absorption to come into play. But realistically speaking, I mean, when I came into the business, industrial vacancies were about five and a half percent, whereas now we're one percent in the GTA. 
I mean, even if we triple, we're not even close to what some would term as a healthy market. So therefore, in theory, the demand is going to continue to be there. So where does it go next? We saw an expansion rather than a contraction. What's the next city that's not necessarily in our radar right now for industrial development that you think would get enveloped in this expansion? So what's interesting is, is what drives it a lot in Southern Ontario is it tends to be user-specific. So, I mean, we've all seen that there's been an announcement recently that St. Thomas, VW, is going to be putting one of their large plants there. St. Thomas isn't necessarily the next city going down the highway where a logical expansion would be, but now that user has now affected that and that it will play a part in demand. I'd say if you're looking at it from a theoretical standpoint, all you need to do is just follow the migration west. So if you're doing that, we've seen demand in Hamilton, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph. In theory, the next one would be Brantford, Woodstock, Ingersoll, and going down the highways that way. When we've seen the Orlando group make a really big land play in uh, Brantford, there's yeah evidence that the big players are seeing it. And traditionally, those are groups that have never left the GTA, and the fundamentals need to be there. So one of the interesting things that's happening that we've seen in the last three years, five years, is that these funds that are doing large raises, they've specifically put in Southwest Ontario as a target market. And that's what investors are looking for. They're looking for those opportunistic plays. They aren't necessarily looking for a very institutional marketplace like the GTA. They're looking for more of the opportunities where they're still private owners and there's still going to be a turnover with baby boomers and estate planning and groups that they haven't necessarily been gobbled up by the institutional players in the large kind of longer term land, those are now targets for those funds in Southwest Ontario. So before we went live, we were just kind of talking about the conversation we're going to have with Ted and the foundation fundamentals of real estate. So I'm going to go a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but hopefully you can pull me back. You don't know the fundamentals of real estate? (laughs) (laughs) Outside the comfort zone. (laughs) Just a podcast host, man. (laughs) Los Angeles County and Orange County, right? These two massive, there's, I don't know, whatever it is, 25 million people that live in these two areas. Los Angeles County being the north side, which is the Los Angeles, Hollywood, Venice Beach, all that stuff. And then Orange County kind of a lot further to the south, which has Anaheim, which is not really a urban center. It's just this big sprawl of, of people. So my point is, there's a ton of people that have moved into southwestern Ontario that have not necessarily left the Toronto region, but have just come there from wherever around the world or inside Canada for whatever reason. So there's a huge population growth, which is a start, which is leading to all sorts of the things that we're kind of poking around, whether that's just housing starts and land availability, all these types of things. Is though there a new center? Like it still feels like it's the heart is still the Toronto and there's still this drive and you've been talking about it. Like it's the growth from, you talked about your heat map, right? It's out to Mississauga, then it's out to there, but it's still with, it's the heart pumping in the downtown core of Toronto. At some point it just becomes too far away. And there needs to now be new or new heart. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, that analogy is yeah, terrible. The, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, a new, a new, new epicenter for the pulse right. of the economy. Is that Kitchener-Waterloo? Is that London? Is it still too early to be told? How does that work? Because you can't just continue to be two, three, four hours away from the downtown core. It doesn't work that way, right? Yeah. So, I mean, and you're right. And no matter what the term you want to use, the nucleus, the heart, whatever you want to call it. The interesting thing is when you look at those areas. So let's look at LA and Orange County as an example. And I've done work in those areas. What ends up happening is, is that you will migrate far enough. And I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast here is that you hit a point where that migration west doesn't justify itself. And that with the prices of real estate, it now makes more sense to do redevelopment. So we are starting to see that in Etobicoke as an example, right? So if you drive down the 427 onto the Gardener, you see a whole bunch of new buildings. And those were sites that it was justifiable in the value of the real estate that you could redevelop those properties. So inevitably, there becomes an economic tipping point. 
when migrating west makes sense because of the population growth, the access to employees, where the demand for the product is. But then at the same time, there's almost going to be too far out where it's saying, you know what, I could go get a lot cheaper out there, but between shipping costs and access to employees and all these other things, it makes more sense for me financially because of the operation of my company to then justify redevelopment. And that's where you're seeing the redevelopment in Etobicoke. Which is the perfect market for it too, because it was the original industrial outer rim of Toronto. You go way back. So the industrial buildings were built with no shipping radius because the trucks used were much smaller. There's 14 foot clear, 12 foot clear buildings, things like that. So they're not commanding the $20 rents that you'd uh, get everywhere else, even though they're in a primo location. And that's exactly what happened in LA and Orange County is that what happened is, is that you migrated West and then inevitably rolled back into the area. And then in theory, if you look at real estate as a whole over a century, two centuries, is that you'll keep doing that. So inevitably, back to your questions, my very long-winded answer, what is that nucleus? I think it still is the GTA. I mean, that's where the population is. That's where the demand is, especially with e-commerce, last mile shipping. You still have a demand for that. What has changed though, especially for Southwestern Ontario is you do have significant population growth. So you still need those same last mile distribution centers. But the other thing is, is you have the larger tracts of land where you can do the million, million and a half square foot distribution centers, which are a lot harder to do in that nucleus. So whether there ends up being an epicenter in Southwestern Ontario, I don't necessarily think so. And the reason why is because the way that Ontario's, Southern Ontario's infrastructure is set up, it's almost back 100, 150 years ago when we had river systems and we had mills and that was our infrastructure. The 400 series highways are that, the rivers of 150 years ago. As long as you are on those rivers, that infrastructure is there. They're connected between the two. Whether you have an escarpment or a green belt in the middle of that is almost becoming irrelevant at this point. So I still think that the epicenter is the GTA, but I think it's going to continue to grow, that it's just one large area as opposed to smaller kind of hub and spoke setups where you end up having a Southern Ontario epicenter in addition to Yeah, China. and maybe Los Angeles is a bad example because, I mean, downtown Los Angeles is not Toronto, right? It's, I mean, for anyone who's been there, it's, and there's a bunch of office buildings, but it's it's almost like comparing Manhattan and Los Angeles, just two totally different environments. And I guess maybe that's a good analogy. So then in the Southwestern Ontario, as this expansion is occurring, just talk about what's, what's transpiring today, right? It's 2023 value of land, like, is the, are there still this great opportunity or are you starting to see this reversal like you just described? No, I think that there's still, that demand and opportunity is still there. I think that there are variables within the different cities that have an impact. So even as we see value of land continue to go up, development charges, let's say, are if you're going to put up a new building are much cheaper in some of the smaller markets versus the larger markets. So that has a total cost of construction, total cost of occupancy. It still has that effect. I still think that there's a lot of opportunity that's driven, again, back to my comment about the institutional ownership. We haven't truly gone through that in Southwestern Ontario, which creates the opportunities for the funds and the more institutional owners, is that the smaller, kind of more regional landlords and developers, inevitably there's going to be that wave where purchases can happen. And the cities are continuing to expand. So whether you look at Guelph, who's bringing on their phase three of their industrial park, you have Cambridge up by the Toyota plant, Kitchener, Waterloo, Brantford, they have land available to them that the GTA really doesn't have. And again, inevitably it becomes an operational question, not necessarily a cost question. Is that if I'm one of the large e-commerce, let's say, and I need a million square feet, it's not necessarily dependent on what my cheapest land is going to be. It's about where can I find enough land to put up a million square feet? And that's where it's happening in Southwest Ontario. Is the population growth sustainable? Just to support some of these decisions that these companies are making, right? Because it's presumably, yeah, you're going to build that facility there. 
But if a lot of your clients are in the neighborhood, it justifies it. If they're not, you're just, like you said, your, your operational costs are just increased. Or you need the airport or whatever. Whatever it may yeah. be, yeah. So I do think it's sustainable. I think that affordability of housing is a major issue, as we all know. I mean, that's where we see interest rates and everything else. And so I think that's going to continue to drive people into Southwestern Ontario. Inevitably, it provides the opportunity for people to then find employees who can then backfill. Where the variable that's going to be interesting and what the effect that it ends up happening, especially in these smaller areas, smaller communities, is whether or not a work from home or a hybrid approach has a significant impact. So in other words, what we saw is we saw some level of migration where people who let's say younger families who were in the downtown core, they had you know jobs in the financial sector. They moved out because they were working from home. So they moved out into smaller communities, larger houses, backyards, that type of thing. The variable that that may have in the future, no matter what happens with office, that will be interesting to see. I met an individual who works in our industry, to remain nameless because I obviously didn't ask his permission to say this, but lives in KW and his office is downtown Toronto and he commutes two or three days a week. And he was perfectly happy with that because the quality of life and the cost of living and all that, raising a family in the neighborhood, it just, it makes sense to him. Was this a pre-COVID decision? I can't remember. Maybe not. But regardless, the point is he's now here and he's not regretting it. He's saying, no, no, it's, it's yeah, it takes me an hour, an hour and a half every day. And, but it's, that's cost of doing business now, right? It's just five years ago, I don't think I ever would have imagined anybody living in KW and purposefully having their office job downtown Toronto. Now, it wasn't five days a week. This is now two or three. Maybe that's the difference. But still, that's adding sort of economic strength to the Southwestern Ontario story. Agreed. So the interesting thing that inevitably, if that continues, if that same pattern continues, you have one or two options that are going to end up happening. One is, is you're going to start to see office users who put up more suburban offices, right? So in other words, let's say you have 300,000 square feet in the downtown core. Do you reduce that down to 100 or 150,000 square feet? And then you start doing a hub and spoke model where you have offices where your employees are. Alternative two is we see increased infrastructure. So in other words, more go train service. How about high-speed rail? We're going to talk about it in the next hundred years. (laughs) But those are really your two options in order to have connectivity to the offices is you're either going to see that hub and spoke model and you're going to see more offices and therefore the demand for office in this area increase or alternatively or in addition to you'll see increased infrastructure, which I mean, for any of the people who are attending today, a lot of them coming in from the GTA area, they went through a lot of construction and where the highway is being expanded because of that exact reason expanding out the infrastructure in order to house that commute between Southwestern Ontario so, yeah, and the GTA. The HOV lane on the 401, that was handy. Yeah. Right. It makes a huge difference. And that's, and people look at it that way. I mean, if you start to get into the situation where fast forward 50 years from now, if autonomous vehicles are a relevant thing and that's a big deal, then that's a pretty easy commute in and out of the GTA if you need to go into the office two, three, four times a week. Where do you live? I live in Guelph, so that's maybe there's one. I was worried. I would ask that question. Like I live downtown Toronto. Yeah, yeah. no, no. And you know what? That, reverse commute. Yeah. That's a that's a very valid point. I mean, I'm one of those people who I spend, let's say, three out of five days in the GTA, and our office is there, and I live in Guelph and commute from there. The way that I always looked at it was, and very similar to a lot of my clients, if I'm close to a 400 series highway, if I'm on the 401 or on the 403. I'm fine. It really doesn't make, once I'm on there, the difference of getting on at Highway 6 in Guelph versus here, Ontario at Mississauga, if I need to get downtown, it's an extra 10, 15 minutes. Like it's maybe a little bit more. Timing traffic is the important thing, 
But if I can time it accurately. Yeah. And the difference in quality of life, property value, et cetera, et cetera, it just changes so drastically for that extra 10, 15 minutes in a car. That's right. I have I have two younger children, both under 10, and the ability to have a big backyard and to go out on the street and play with their little buddies in the neighborhood and all that. That means a lot. And that's not something that I'd want to give up. The Norman Rockwell moments that you probably don't get in downtown Toronto condo. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right. Yeah, I think that's a calculus a lot of people are are going through right now, right, in our generation. We're almost out of time and I didn't want to forget about other parts of southwestern Ontario. So let me, let's just focus on London as the easy example. Experiencing a very similar story, but it really, yeah, I don't know how many people live in London and commute downtown Toronto two or three days a week, but is that happening? Do you see that? I've managed offices in London for decades. And London is interesting because it's almost an economy onto itself. You don't see that outside influence the same way that you do with a Guelph or a Cambridge or a Hamilton type of idea. You see a significant impact and influence of the GTA on those markets that are closer. London, with the size of their population, they're almost, for lack of a better term, self-sustaining. And so you're right. You don't see the commute from London in. Now, having said that, we have seen increased GO train service running from London into Union Station. So obviously there is some level of demand for that. But I would say that London is much more of a self-sustaining market. For years and years, Brantford was very similar, that they were a little bit more, again, self-sustaining, that their economy was kind of onto itself. Versus now we are seeing that influence. I don't necessarily see the influence yet in London of the GTA, but London has always been an extremely strong market. It's a very, very interesting market. You have good post-secondary education, you have good population growth. And again, the difference with those communities like that is going back to the announcement about VW and St. Thomas. Now, when you have a specific user and a significant investment, that can make the biggest impact to an economy like that. Walking around the conference today, how many Toronto faces are you seeing? And we're going to use that as a proxy for outside investment. I mean, I assume you're not doing helicopter rides now to try and entice uh, Toronto dollars. They're probably, you know, banging down the door to try and uh, get in here. Can we talk about, well, we'll use the five-year analogy we've been on a few times now, but how much more money is showing up from Toronto looking to make a splash? So it was interesting. And one of the speaker conferences this morning is that somebody asked, they said, how many people People are from the area. I'd say probably about 30% of the hands went up. So in theory, 70% of the people are coming in from outside of the region. I would say that of that, if you were to compare that to who is investing money, I wouldn't say it's that high yet. I wouldn't say that 70% of the money being invested into the area is outside of the area money. I think it's getting there. But a lot of the people who are really having the success in the area are essentially implants to the area. So maybe they're pulling money from outside, whether it's through funds or something else, but they're from the local area. They understand the area. They live it and breathe it every day because there is like going into Toronto and understanding the different neighborhoods and what impact that has. It's very similar out here. The difference between being on one side of a highway versus another side of a highway or where traffic patterns are, understanding that on a day-to-day just makes it that much easier to make a decision versus coming in and almost poaching or cherry-picking deals but not truly understanding the area. You just haven't seen that success yet. So I think that very much so the decisions are still being impacted by people who are local and who understand this marketplace. And is that a good thing or did you enjoy the local club for real estate? Is there any sense of intrusion, you know, or is this just great for values, great for investors, great for business? Depends on what side of the transaction you're <laughs> yeah, on. That's, yeah, valid, right? that's, that's a good point. But no, I would say as an overall economy in the impact on the economics, 
It was interesting. So in 2008, 2009, we had a lot of industrial buildings shutting down, right? So manufacturing, automotive was hit. That was, you know, we had a mix of offshoring and the recession and everything else. And so I was brought in and I did a lot of valuations on industrial buildings. And so inevitably, I almost got to the mentality because we had so many of these more older derelict buildings that needed to be backfilled is that I always looked at it that my job wasn't to sell this piece of real estate. My job was to bring in a user who was going to replace the 300 jobs that were just laid off. And that was my mentality back then. So to answer that question, I look at it as a good thing. I think that this growth and expansion is natural. I think that it's not forced. I think that the outside influence and growth is something that brings value to the area. I think that there's always a fine balance when you do that, whether it's in residential neighborhoods or whether it's in markets like this, being able to balance the culture that you've built within a municipality as well as bringing in that growth, I think is very important and not always easy for municipalities to balance. But I think Southwestern Ontario has enough long-term infrastructure and experience that having that outside influence has been a natural progression versus an extremely influential one. As you're answering that question, I was thinking, you know, like if it's a GTA-based capital, you know, it's not like they're necessarily outsiders, right? They're just, it's not like it's their German capital or American capital. They're just from down the street. How much resistance is there to becoming just part of the GTA? Like I always think about the Hamilton is just, you know, we just say the GTHA now, right? Like it's just, they're just been absorbed by this glob that's just slowly moving and soon KW would just be just another suburb. I don't disagree with that. I don't think there's necessarily resistance. And one of the unique things that Ontario has that a lot of other areas, when you look at even, you know, whether you look at Chicago and how it grew or whether you look at LA and Orange County in the large kind of, let's say more industrial markets versus office markets, what we have is we have a natural barrier, right? We have the green belt, we have the escarpment and that's unique to Ontario. So geographically, physically, we'll always be separate. Like that will always be- For now, until Doug Ford gets <laughs> well, <Yeah>. that's <laughs> a debate that we could all have. I didn't want to go there. Yeah. That. That's okay. right. Leave it, just leave it. Leave it alone. <laughs> but yes, I think that there is that natural segregation or natural- split between the GTA and Southwest Ontario. When you're Ontario. driving along the 401, you will always go through green space. Because Milton's like, it, it truly has just become just the part, the of, the part, of, the, part of the city fabric. It's just, it's nonstop concrete all the way through, right? Versus Guelph, it's you getting there. You will always have a, though yeah. that barrier to your point. You're always going to drive through that green belt. Like physically, it can't have, there's nowhere to build. Like when you're driving down the 401, you're never going to have that concrete on concrete because it physically can't be done. So inevitably, there's going to be that physical segregation. But on the flip side, I don't know how negative it really is for people. So in other words, if I'm a user, and whether I'm on Highway 25 in Milton or I'm two ramps down and I'm on Highway 6, Brock Road in South Guelph, I mean, what does it really matter? I mean, it's... We're all Leaf fans. That's exactly <laughs> it. We're all Leaf fans. Until <laughs> they lose tonight. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. <laughs> I hope when people are listening to this, they're Stanley Cup champions and we're yeah. just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? They're gonna, they're gonna be out. Anyway, Leafs play a game with the Florida Panthers series tonight. So if you're listening to this, you already know what's happening. We do not. So there's some excitement. I think we're out of time. Any last final words you want to just make about just the overall statement of your neighborhood? I think the biggest thing is, is that events like this continued attraction to the area. I think it's all fantastic things. I think Ontario as a whole, it's really, really good. I think that it creates opportunity for people. It creates lifestyles that people are looking for. It starts to add in affordability. And I'm very excited, especially with 
continued adoption of trends and tech in buildings and shipping. And that's going to be interesting in the effect that it has in the future. And so I'm I'm extremely excited and bullish on the real estate market in the next 10 years. And I think, you know, this discussion, the foundation, the fundamentals, it makes perfect sense. Like it seems like it's got no end in sight for now. Agreed. Thank you very much for coming on, Ted. Really appreciate the conversation. Thanks to First National for powering the podcast. And thanks to Informa for, of course, setting us all up for us. Excellent. And thanks, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. This was great. Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.